doing coloring sheets and things over in the corner there now. So if you young people, you want to make your way down to that corner now, you can. So let's be still, let's just pray as we come to look at this passage together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you as we've just sung that you are great. And as we come to look again at the passage of the empty tomb again this morning, think of the good news that it tells us, each one of us. Help us to think about how we can go and tell others that good news too. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been doing a series called Running the Race set before us. And I was sat there trying to drastically to think of the other P's that we've done so far, but we had the power of God, we've had the pardon of God, we've had the proof of God, and there was one other. I was in Romania for that one. No, you weren't in Romania for that one, because Tim was here, that was the one that Tim did. I wasn't here, but you were there. (laughs) There was another P, but it will come to me over time. But today we come to think about running from the team, the proclamation for God's people. The P this week is the proclamation. Last week, we heard another account of the resurrection, didn't we? And we heard how Luke helped us to think about the proof for God's people. And there were various proofs, weren't there, for the resurrection. As Mary ran to that tomb on that Easter morning, she had no idea what it was that she was going to find. But when she got there, we saw their reactions to what they saw, and then the proofs of the resurrection. What was special about that empty tomb? Do we remember what those proofs were? They were firstly were the witnesses, weren't they? The people that saw the risen Jesus, the disciples, the other people, Paul, all those people who saw the risen Jesus. Secondly, there was the empty tomb. The tomb was empty. There was nobody. Then there was the linen, the linen cloths that were laid out. And Luke told us about the effort made to go to lay them back out rather than just take them. The cloths were still there. And then the scripture. The scripture pointed to Jesus rising from the dead. This was something that was going to happen. And it reminds us how many of us encounter Jesus on a daily basis. It gives us proof to fix our eyes on Jesus, to run the race. And it's good, isn't it, to remind ourselves of the proof about Jesus. What was it that first made us believe? Because I think that also helps us to be able to help others when we remind ourselves or what it helps us first to find out about Jesus. We can help others do the same. And once we have that proof, once we put our trust in Jesus, we're able to run the race. But so what? If that's the proof, what difference is it going to make? If we put our trust in Jesus, it does not end there. See, if we believe in the resurrection, if we have proof that Jesus exists and follow him, then it has to make a difference. That's why we're here as a community. That's why we spend time as Megate Church aiming to be like Jesus. This proof, our encounter with Jesus, wants to make us more like him. And as we run this race that's set before us, we continue to experience Jesus. And as we experience him, we have the need to tell others of the experience and the difference that makes. So this week we come to that proclamation of God's people. This experience of Jesus has to make a difference. We have to speak of it to others. So we go back to the empty tomb again this week, looking at that passage, this time from Matthew's Gospel, not John 28, 
but Matthew 28. <laughs> and see the reaction of Mary to this good news that she found. Look at the passage with me if you've got it. It's on page 1,000 in the Bibles. We see Mary Magdalene with another Mary have made their way to the tomb. And we see some extraordinary things happen. An earthquake, an angel rolling back the stone, the guard shaking. I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about that first bit because it goes over some of the details that Luke spoke about last week. But it's good if you have time to look at it, to see how that and the account that we saw last week and the account that comes after this account, the account of the guards, helps us to aid that proof that Luke was talking about last week. See, I want to spend time focusing in on verses 5 to 7, the words that are spoken by the angel. Let's come and look at verses 5 and 7 together. See, the angel starts by telling Mary, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Isn't that a common greeting of angels? Strange, isn't it, how angels always show up, and the first thing they say to people is, don't be afraid. The angel then fills in the details for Mary. What's going on? Well, I know that you're looking for Jesus. He was crucified. He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. See, Mary gets to hear the good news from the angel. He's not here. Jesus is risen. But it doesn't stop there. She gets, here's the good news. She's then given an invitation. Come and see the place where he lay. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see for yourself what I've told you. Come and look at it. Come and look inside this empty tomb. Come and see what's there. So the women get the chance to see the empty tomb. They get the chance to see the folded clothes. But then the next part of the words from the angel. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. See, once the women have seen the place where Jesus lays, they're not to stop there. They're to go and tell the others. And in verse 8, we see them running from the tomb. They ran to the tomb, now they're running away from the tomb. Why? To be able to go and tell the other disciples of the good news. See, that's what the resurrection, the good news of Jesus is about. It should move us from coming to see, to experiencing Jesus, to then going and telling others of that good news. To proclaim the good news of Jesus to the world. That move from come and see to go and tell. Shortly after this account, some few verses later in Matthew 28, we see Jesus meeting with the disciples for the final time in Matthew's Gospel. What's known as the Great Commission. Where they're told by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them and teaching them. See, our experience of Jesus should want us, make us to want to tell others about that experience. See, evangelism, talking about the good news to others, is part of the call of every disciple. It's not an optional extra. We have to be able to talk about Jesus. Every so often when I talk about this with people, and I'm sure Tim finds this too as he walks in the door, People often say to us, well, that's easy for you to talk about Jesus because you're wearing a collar. See, it's something that should be not expected of them, they think. Well, it's, the, it's what these people in collars do. It's not what we do. But we all have to be able to talk about the good news of Jesus. Hope Together, a couple of years ago, produced a report called Talking Jesus. 
And in that report, it says this, 67% of non-Christian adults say they know a practicing Christian. 67% of non-Christian adults say they know a practicing Christian. Through our daily lives, we have contact with people who don't believe and yet know that we are Christian. We have many opportunities. And just as Mary went and told the disciples, we are to go and tell that good news to those around us. But what is that good news that we have to tell? What's the good news we have to tell? The first news is this. Look at verse 6. He's not here. He has risen. He's not here. He has risen. Jesus is risen. He's not dead, but alive. (coughs) Going back to that survey that I mentioned a few moments ago, it says in that, in talking Jesus, 43% of adults in England question did believe the resurrection of Jesus. 43%. That means there are some who know this great truth, this good news already. But actually there's still a large number who need to know the good news of Jesus' resurrection. To know the hope and comfort that it brings. The way it changes our lives. The fact that Jesus is alive, we can still meet with him and experience him. And that changes everything. It gives us hope It gives us comfort that life here is not all there is, that Jesus still meets with us. That's the first part. Secondly, in verse 9, we see, suddenly Jesus met with them. Suddenly Jesus met with them. The good news is that Jesus still meets with us. That's why we gather here this day. That's why we gather here this morning. Not in the same way that he met the women on the road to tell the disciples, But through his spirit, we come into his presence. To know that Jesus still meets with us today can also produce some of the changes that we saw with the women who heard that good news. The women arrived at that tomb with fear. They were afraid of what they might find. What was going on after that earthquake experience? But they went away, and look at verse 8, afraid yet filled with joy. Afraid yet filled with joy. See, in Jesus' presence, and we sang about this earlier, that fear can be taken away. We too can be filled with joy. That's the good news that we can tell others. And we also see that in the presence of Jesus, the women came to him, they clasped his feet, and they worshipped him. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. That's in verse 9. And see, in Jesus' presence, you cannot help but worship him. In his presence, there's freedom to worship. So the second bit of good news, Jesus still meets with us. He's not, he's not dead, he's alive. He still meets with us. And in his presence, we're transformed and have freedom to worship him. And the final part. Finally, in verse 7, look, he's risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, says Jesus. There they will see me. Both the angel and Jesus want the women to know that Jesus goes ahead of them. They should be expectant to see him as they go from this place. Expectant to see him in Galilee. Just wondering as we sat here this morning, how many are still yet to go on holiday this year? Excellent. Richard, what are you expecting? Are you going to go on holiday this year? 
And where, what are you expecting or hoping to get out of your holiday? A bit of rest. Tim, what are you expecting you might get out of your holiday? To see your mother. Yeah. Anybody else expecting something from their holiday this year? Yeah. A, a new experience. Something different. Excellent. Okay, who's been on holiday already this year? Ah. Those who have been on holiday already this year, I'm going to ask you a different question. Where might you have seen Jesus when you were on holiday this year? Where might you have seen Jesus when holiday? Go on. Went up to Scotland and the creation was so beautiful. Seeing Jesus in creation. Anywhere else? In meeting up with old friends and family. Seeing Jesus in that experience. Anybody else? Yeah. Spring harvest. Yeah, in teaching and things through the things that you heard there. Did you say it was one of them? Okay. Darren, did you have anything? No? We went to the chapel Okay, so but Darren went to this little uh, chapel in Yorkshire, and whilst he's in there, you can feel the presence of God in that place. See, discipleship is about us being expectant. Expectant to see Jesus all around because Jesus goes on ahead, which is expect to see him there. Uh, Luke was talking about a book this week. I'm going to talk about a book this week. This was a book that I've been reading a little while ago called uh, Rowan Williams, Being Disciples. And in this book, uh, Rowan Williams, who was the former Archbishop of Canterbury, talks a little bit about what it means to be a disciple. And I'm just going to share this a little bit. Disciples are expected in the sense that they always take it for, gr- they take it for granted that there's always something about to break through from the master, the teacher. Something about to burst through the ordinary and uncover a new light on the landscape. The master's going to speak or show something. Reality is going to open up when you're in the master's company, and so your awareness is a bit like that of a birdwatcher. The experienced birdwatcher sitting still, poised, alert, not tense or fussy knows that this is the kind of place where something extraordinary suddenly bursts into view. So when we're disciples, when we're followers of Jesus, we have to be expected that Jesus goes ahead of us. He will suddenly burst into view, he will suddenly show up, and something will happen. And that's good news too, that Jesus goes ahead of us. He prepares the way, so that when the time comes, he's already there with us as he was for those disciples when they met them in Galilee. Often, when I go into certain situations and conversations during the week, I can worry about what I'm going to say. What are you going to want me to say, God? What's going to happen? And the first thing that I do is pray, and often I find Jesus has gone ahead of me. The way is open. That conversation opens up in ways that I never imagined, and Jesus is already at work in that place. I shared with you some times before, one of the things that Bishop Stephen said to us on the eve before we were ordained as deacons was this. Sometimes being a deacon is just about showing up. Just putting yourself in that situation, putting yourself in that place, showing up. Jesus is there already. He'll do some of those things. Just show up and do those works. So the proclamation of God's people. We're all called to come and see 
to come and experience Jesus, but also to go and tell. Remembering that great commission to go and make disciples. Telling others is part of every disciple, every follower of Jesus. And the good news we have to tell, well, that is that Jesus is alive. Jesus still meets with us and transforms us. He enables us freely to worship him. And Jesus goes ahead of us into situations. But I wonder as we go from this place today, where is it we go to tell the good news? Where we go this week, where is our Galilee? Where should our Galilee be? Where is Jesus going to go ahead of us? Is it going to be our workplace? Is it going to be in the conversation with a friend this week? Are we expectant and ready for Jesus to meet us there as we go into that situation, as we go to have that conversation? See, we never go alone because Jesus is already there. He meets us there. And when we want to tell the good news to someone, when we want to talk about Jesus, we have to remember that Jesus has gone ahead of us. He prepares the way. So the moment I'm going to pray to bring this, so this part together. But I just want us to take a moment to bring us those places that we're going to this week, those people that we're going to say, to bring those situations to Jesus now. Let's ask him to go ahead, to meet us in those places, to have the confidence to talk of that good news with those people that we meet. And then I'll pray. So let's just be still and offer those places to Jesus now. Father, thank you for the good news that we've had here in this passage this morning. Thank you that you invite us like that angel to come and see. Come and see your goodness. But also you invite each one of us to go and tell others too. That as disciples, as followers of you, we are called to go and tell others, to proclaim the good news of how great you are. We pray for those situations we're going to find ourselves in this week. That you would go ahead of us that we'll remember that you go ahead of us, that we'll be able to talk of Jesus being alive, that you transform situations. Go ahead of us and be with us as we go from this place we sweep, we pray. Give us the spirit to be confident to talk of that good news to the people we meet, that we may aim to be like Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.